Welcome to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that Jesus is needed and relevant for people in Vancouver today. The message of God's love and promise of wholeness was destined to be experienced within a faith community that worships, studies scripture, and prays together. We warmly welcome you to journey with us towards greater connection, purpose, and peace. We'll be sharing our recorded services and conversations with health and wellness experts. Enjoy. Uh, Good morning and Happy New Year to the rest of you. Merry Christmas, Merry Ukrainian Christmas. Uh, It's so good to see many of you uh, back. I know we had so many people traveling because for the last few years, travel was really restricted. And so it was wonderful. I share in your joy, those of you who got to do reunions with um, family and friends in other places. But it is so good to have you back. It's so good to see you again. Some of you who are gone for weeks, so we just welcome you home and are delighted to have you back. I'm wondering, of course, everyone wonders at the start of a new year how you mark it, uh, how you embrace it. And I'm wondering if anyone will admit to making a New Year's resolution, even if it's just one, how many of you would make a New Year's resolution? A couple of you, yeah, it seems like people are kind of coming to terms with, um, is that the most productive and effective way to start the year? Would anyone admit to lapsing on their resolution in the first week? Yeah, we have a couple more who are like, yeah, okay, you called me out, but I'm with you. Um, It might surprise you that I actually do have uh, a a membership at a fitness studio, and I've had it for all of last year, and it definitely did help me, uh, you know, become more physically healthy and well. I didn't, I was going to classes sometimes five times a week. There was never the promised shedding of pounds, but I noticed some positive and healthy changes that I'm sticking with. But all these instructors that I've kind of come to know, and there's kind of a community of regulars amid all of the people who come and go. And the talk all of last week and this week has been just you wait for January because you have to book your spot. It's going to be filling up. It's going to be overflowing. Um, But just hang in there because February things (laughs) tend to settle down. Well, this idea of a resolution, the, the word to have a resolution is defined by making a firm decision to having this determined pursuit. And so it is quite noble and appropriate and fitting that as we begin a new year, some people do it on their birthdays, some couples do it on their anniversaries, you create this kind of shared pursuit, this determined pursuit. What do I want this next chapter to hold for me? What, what is the firm decision that I need to make as I transition past this milestone? And I am so happy, I'm so overjoyed I don't think it's happened yet. Uh, I'm not sure if it's happened at this church, but it's a first for me that on the first Sabbath of a new year, in the first week of a new year, that we get to witness individuals making the most important resolution that a human being can make. And it's not merely a resolution for this new year. It's not time-limited to 2023. This is a resolution that can change everything and it's a resolution for life it's that firm decision it's a determined pursuit to live for jesus and it is this declaration being made a very public sharing of this resolution that invites 
accountability, it invites fellowship, it invites mentorship and encouragement, it also invites witnessing and sharing of a story. And what we do today is following the way of Jesus. Being immersed in the waters of baptism is something he established, you know, about 2,000 years ago. But in fact, this act of being reborn through the waters is one of the most significant themes we find in Scripture. For Gio and for Dante today, their baptism is going to take place in mere seconds. Dunk and emerge. But each of them has had a journey toward Jesus that spanned years, and it's led them to this point. It wasn't some whim on January 1. This is something that they have been thinking about, pursuing, considering for a long time. And it is this participation in such a special and symbolic act. It is the one act that unites and defines all Christians. It's that defining marker of when Christianity really emerged and became something unique from Judaism and other faiths. Because we have this constant and common practice that we do, um, and it centers on Jesus. In Matthew 3, we can also read it in Mark uh, chapter 1 or Luke 3, but I'm going to be reading from Matthew 3. We read the description of what happened at Jesus' baptism. Uh, Verse 13 tells us that Jesus came from Galilee, and he came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And as soon as Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water, at that very moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending down upon him like a dove. And this voice from heaven calls out, This is my Son, whom I love and who I am well pleased with. And I've underlined a couple of these um, descriptors in here because these punctuate a story, a narrative, a theme, a system that we find in Scripture that goes precedes John the Baptist, precedes the New Testament introduction. And in fact, we're going to see echoes of this and find meaning in this, in this ancient rebirth through the waters all the way back to the beginning of scripture. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to that very first book in the very first chapter. And we read in Genesis 1 that God brings order from chaos in these acts of separation, in these acts of parting. The opening lines of Genesis 1, we see that the spirit same spirit that was there at Jesus' baptism, is hovering over the waters, is hovering over the deep, the dark, the void, the chaotic. And we continue through Genesis 1, and we see there's the spirit, and there comes the voice. And the voice is speaking and calling the waters to separate First, we have the separation of the sea and the sky. So all of you science nerds with me know that, okay, yeah, the ocean holds all of the, the um, infused carbon dioxide and oxygen and nitrogen, and I can just see God 
you know, extracting those dissolved gases and forming clouds and forming the atmosphere. So he's separating the elements that are within the water and he's creating atmosphere and clouds. So we have a parting already defining within our earth this space between sea and sky. But he continues, he continues to split the sea so that dry land can emerge. And so again, from what is watery chaos, what is ambiguous liquid gets ripped apart so that land can emerge. And what we see in all these cases that he's creating space for life to happen. He continues by separating even the night lights, the moon and the stars from the sun that governs the day. And he continues to announce, this voice continues to announce the spaces that are being created for life. They are good. The voice is declaring that it is pleased. Are you tracking with me? Are you seeing the connections between Jesus' baptism and our origin story? Unfortunately, a few, a few pages later in Genesis, we see that humans have entered into this space meant for flourishing, but they unleash chaos back into what should be uh, a peaceful and a safe space. It's now dangerous and dark again. And so God repeats this pattern for us. He repeats this message, the medium in the message, or the message is in the medium as well, where he's now gonna continue to part waters throughout human history to establish the story of rescue, of restoration, of recreation. And it is every time that humanity emerges from these waters that they are commissioned with a new purpose, sometimes a new identity and a new start. We don't have to go far. It's the same book of the Bible that we see um, in Genesis that there is Noah and the world has dissolved or deteriorated rapidly and there's just evil and everyone's minds continually hatred towards one another. But there is one person left who's still faithful to God. His name is Noah and God warns him. He says, I gotta clean the slate. This is, the world is just self-destructing and you're the last, you're the last guy. So I'm going to wipe the slate clean and establish a fresh beginning and recreation through the waters. And Genesis 7 tells us that it was the 600th year of Noah's life. The 600th year. And very specific, on the 17th day of the second month. So this was key. On that day, it's so significant, the date is known, that the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heaven were opened. The same parallel language is echoing here. This state of of water breaking, water splitting so that salvation can come, a recognition that there needs to be a new humanity. In Hebrew, uh, the word of deep water is to home and to split is baka. So we have this very strong language that the heavens are being ripped open and the water is flooding from above and it's also like geysers coming up from below and this separation between land and water is being erased and absorbed. 
But thankfully, Scripture tells us God remembers Noah, and he establishes his family to be this remnant. And in the ark, they are saved with representatives of all the living creatures. And eventually, they are led to begin life anew on dry land, humanity 2.0. And then we flip to the next uh, book of the Bible, Exodus, and we come to this new representative, a new um, a marker, a new hero, but he's also a metaphor for the story that God keeps unfolding, the story that God keeps echoing in this theme of, of water being emerged. This child's name is Moses, and it comes at a time again where the Israelites are under Egyptian oppression. They're enslaved, and yet they are thriving. By God's blessing, they're flourishing. And Pharaoh starts to worry if they grow in population, they're going to outnumber us and overthrow this empire. So he orders that all the baby boys are to be executed and to be thrown to the crocodiles or drown in the river or run through with a sword. But Moses, by the wisdom, the divine intervention, and a vision his mother has, she crafts him an ark of reeds. And this Hebrew word for ark is the same word applied to Noah's ark, tavah. It's the only time we'll find that word in the Old Testament is the ark that saved people through the chaotic waters of the great flood and this ark that carries this baby boy in the wake of death and destruction and chaos. And so that was Moses' first passage of salvation through the waters, but later he's going to become the leader that confronts Pharaoh and says, let, let God's people go. And it comes down to this um, mighty showdown at the bank of the Red Sea. And we can read about it in Exodus 14, where the waters, again, are divided, are separated, and the Israelites march through the sea on dry ground. There is a wall of water on their left and a wall of water on their right. And when the last person makes it across, uh, Pharaoh and his Egyptian armies think they're still going to pursue them. They're there in the middle of this pathway and the walls of water collapse and overtake them. And God's people find a new freedom, a new identity, a new mission, a new direction, a new calling that they are to be God's people, his saved people, his rescued people, examples to the rest of the known world representatives of their trust and their faith in this God who created them and who creates the waters and saves them through the same waters of death and destruction. Keep, keep going through the Old Testament. You're going to come to the book of Joshua and the story of Joshua. It's 40 years later from the Exodus story. And the Israelites have been wandering in the desert and some of the old curmudgeons have died off the grumpy ones, the skeptics, uh, the ones who are stuck in a rut, the ones who are quick to complain against God and rebels. So then now there's a new, fresh blood, new generation. So God did make the people new again, and it's this next generation that's standing at the edge of the Jordan River, and it's harvest time. The river is flooded, but on the other side is the promised land. And so we have them readying themselves, preparing to again pass through these 
open waters. And then, and Joshua is the new leader, and he's instructed by God to have the priests carry this Ark of Covenant. And scripture says, as soon as their feet touched the edge of this flood waters, the water stopped flowing, and it actually started piling up in the direction of its source. We can read about it in Joshua chapter 3. As soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge, the water stopped flowing, and all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing. This entire new group of people went through the waters to their new identity, to a new place, to a new um, chapter of salvation, of restoration, of recreation. We can even see parallels of being saved through the water in the prophet Jonah's story, but for time's sake, we'll skip that. We're going to jump to the New Testament where this prophet fulfills an even ancient prophecy from Isaiah. His name is John the Baptist, and he says this is the time for renewal, something more, something fresh. It's a time to remember our true identity. We have rebelled and turned our backs on God for too long. The Messiah is coming, a new kingdom is coming, a new understanding is coming. And so he's there at the banks of the Jordan River where Joshua led the people through. This is a very intentional prophetic act. He's having people pass through the waters again to remember and to renew their commitment to the God of heaven and earth. And just as the Israelites were led through the water under Joshua's leadership, and the Israelites were led through the Red Sea under Moses' leadership. We have John calling for them to remember their origin story, remember human history. And then Jesus shows up. And John's is like, what? You are the Lamb of God. I'm not even worthy to, uh, to, to untie your shoes, and yet you want me to baptize you. I should be the one being baptized by you. But Jesus insists, saying this has to be fulfilled. He was going to model for us every act that was necessary for us to conceptualize, to experience, to make real this ancient story in our own personal lives. So Jesus enters uh, the waters of baptism, and we come back to that text we open with in Matthew. We see the waters part. We see the Spirit's presence. We hear the voice of God saying, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. For you Bible nerds and for the people of that day, they're recognizing these phrases as a callback to the Old Testament. For you are my Son is the message that Moses was to deliver to Pharaoh in Exodus 4. This is what God speaks to Moses, saying, go and tell Pharaoh. This is what the Lord says, Israel is mine. This is my child. This is my son. And I need you to let my people go, let my son go, that they might serve me. We are saved through the chaotic waters, given direction, given purpose, given identity, so that we can serve Serve not under a grueling labor, but serve in the joy of sharing this good news, of sharing the gospel, of sharing 
this message of grace, of forgiveness, that everyone, all people can access a new purpose, a new identity. And so we have the voice declaring that it is pleased. We have the voice declaring, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the New Testament authors that continue the story after Jesus' death and resurrection, they recognize that this theme of salvation through the waters needs to continue. The story needs to continue. The meaning needs to evolve and become richer and richer. We see that Jesus has come to separate the chaos again and make a way for us to move through to our new selves, to our new future. And it's why baptism became such a big deal for Jesus' followers. The the New Testament authors understood that baptism was progressing and championing this ancient origin story. Paul specifically links baptism with Exodus in his writings, and Peter refers to it to Noah's uh, Um, deliverance with baptism. So I'm not just making this stuff up. The New Testament authors back me up in making these connections. The practice of baptism is seen throughout the entire story of the Bible. And so when Jesus comes to be baptized, many of these events in their cultural history and human history are alluded to. They're so significant in this important scene. Jesus' baptism ushers in the beginning of our new creation, a new recreation. He is the ultimate Noah's Ark in which we can find safe refuge in the storm. He is the new Moses that will lead us out of whatever is holding us back. The bondage and the slavery of 2023 does not look like Egyptian oppression, but we are a people that are in bondage. We are people enslaved by, to what other people think, to other people's judgments, to chasing the almighty dollar, to pursuing what, it, what the world defines as success. And he wants to liberate us from everything that is dragging us down and holding us back. He wants to usher in for us a new chapter of freedom and a new access to peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus is the new Joshua. In fact, Yeshua is that same name given to Joshua, whom we can follow into our promised land. All that Jesus did when he went, underwent the the violence of the crucifixion was allowing himself to be surrendered and succumb to these void, dark, chaotic, uh, evil, deep waters of sin and the wages of sin that were death. Though he lived a perfect life, he suffered, he felt that. He literally was drowning in the weight of sin. He was drowning in heartbreak and heartache. And through that undeserved death in our place, And through the power of God's grace and resurrection, he shows victory and defeat of death. Defeat over the enemy is the pathway that we can all find ourselves on, is the victory that we can all claim. In Jesus is where our life can flourish. In Jesus, we see that he's trying to make space for us all the time in which we can live and we can flourish. One of the ways he does that is creating the space of the Sabbath, time separate apart, in which we can experience restoration and relief. 
God has shown throughout history that he is committed to us as a broken, corrupt creation. Jesus was willing to come and live in the mess of our earth, a perfect life, a compassionate life, a genuine life, a graceful life. And his death on the cross absorbed all the pain and the rottenness that the enemy could throw at him, that we ourselves generated and put out there. And on the cross, he let it do the worst to him. He gave up his life for it. But ultimately, God's grace, love, and compassion is stronger than the hold of death and grave. And by that, Scripture says we are all offered adoption into God's family. We're all given a new last name. When we're born, our parents give us a name. When we get married, we decide if we're going to take a new last name. But God is also doing the same thing. He's saying, I want to give you a new identity, a new name, a new purpose, a new passion, a new mission, a new story, and a new chapter. And so what was is very old, is very fresh and very new for us today. And we come to the now today where two individuals are ready to make that decision. Their stories are quite different. Gio has been raised in a Christian home. And I remember a year ago, he was asking me when he saw the other youth, like, I I want in on this. I want to be baptized. You know, like a good teacher, I was like, well, I'm going to assign you some homework. Here's a workbook. And I know that if the passion and the motivation, the desire isn't there, that workbook will sit empty. But I think it was like a week or two, and he was like, I'm done. What's next? (laughs) Right? We went through that workbook so fast. And I was like, this this kid is, it's meaning something for him. And um, Pastor Moses at Deer Lake School, I know we were chatting and just saying we're praying for Gio, we're encouraging him. And I'm so thankful we had uh, DK who joined our team and has really been leaning into our early teens and our kids. And unfortunately, he's sick and can't be here today, but I'm hoping he's watching online. And so we got to watch uh, Gio, you know, nurtured in this Christian household. And Gio, for you, I think about Jesus, who also, at 12 years old, recognized at that age, I need to be in my father's house, and I need to have my mission, my purpose, my identity in life come from my heavenly father. And so I'm so proud of you at this age that you are making that decision. And Dante, who really only came into our, crossed our paths uh, about a year ago, just as we were reemerging from the pandemic, um, not raised or nurtured in a Christian home, but still on this journey of pursuing, what's my identity? What's my life mean? What's the mission? And so um, we're going to let them let you in on a bit of their stories through a couple of videos. We're going to watch Dante's story first, and we'll do Dante's baptism. Then we will make sure all the kids come in and to hear uh, Gio's story and do Gio's baptism as well. And while you are taking in their testimonies, while you're witnessing their baptisms, I just invite you, if you've come to that point in your life as a Christian, maybe you've already uh, committed that public act of baptism, 
reflect back, reflect back and um, thank God for the things that convicted you in that moment. And check in with him, take a moment of prayer to say, God, this is an opportunity for me to recommit right now, today, afresh. I live for you. And for those of you who have yet to make that decision, keep your heart soft and open. The Holy Spirit is doing something to draw you in to the love and the grace of Jesus. Thank you for listening to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Learn more at oacvancouver.ca. If you're in Vancouver, join us for worship Saturdays at 11 a.m. at 5350 Bailey Street. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. God bless you and have a wonderful day.